the book of Nehemiah chapter 6. Beginning in verse 15, when you got it, say so. All right, I'm going to wait a couple of moments because there wasn't enough souls there for everybody to be together. Hallelujah. The book of Nehemiah chapter 6, and we'll begin reading in verse 15. And when you got it, say so. And it says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era. His son, Johanan, had married the daughter of Meshulam and the son of Berechiah. Also, they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. Then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah and and Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Father, we honor you and we thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your word, Heavenly Father. We thank you for your truth, Lord, that is setting us free. Father God, your truth that is doing a work inside of us, Lord God. We thank you for your love toward us, Lord God, that you inspired men, Lord God, to write down your very heart, Lord God, a a word for us, my God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that in these next few moments, dear God, as I share your word with your body, dear God, that I would simply be an echo of your heart from heaven unto them, my God. Heavenly Father, that I would decrease in my flesh, Lord God, that you would increase in your spirit in me and father God that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church my God that we would be doers of your word not hearers alone heavenly father and Lord God for this we give you thanks and we give you glory in Jesus mighty name we pray and someone said you may be seated in the presence of the Lord glory to God For the last few weeks, we have been dealing with the topic of built to last, built to last. And I'm going to be closing this series today with this message. And the title of this message is Building Maintenance. Building maintenance, because obviously after a building is built, after you've gone through the whole construction process, there is a need to maintain that which has been built, amen, somebody. You can have a beautiful home and and, and wonderfully and start great, and if you do not maintain it, then there is going to be something that's going to happen. Decay is going to occur, and if you continue to ignore the reality that it needs to be maintained, there will come a place and a time where it will be condemned. Hello. And so the reason why this is important is because when we are talking about building, and I want to share in a few for for a few moments here as we as as I bring this introduction point into the into um, unto you, because I want us to 
understand exactly what it is that God is building. The Bible tells us that in the beginning, God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. You remember that in the book of Genesis, right? God created man in his own image and his own likeness in order for him to have authority in this earth. Man was God's delegated representative unto all of his creation as his authority figure, as the one who looked like God, who represented him within this earth. And, and, and man had a responsibility. We're talking about building maintenance. God built man, created man from the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and gave him some responsibility. And man was responsible to maintain that honor through one thing, and it was obedience. That's all he had to do. If man would have obeyed, he would have maintained that honor. But because he disobeyed, he ended up losing or for, forsaking that honor that he had of being just perfect and, and, and being innocent the way that God created him to be. Well, there's a beautiful thing that happens. When we come to Jesus, say, when we come to Jesus, we are recreated, say recreated, or we are born again, say born again. And that means that we are given a new life. We are given a new nature. God begins something new inside of all of us. He begins something fresh inside of all of us. In the book of Ephesians, if you will turn there with me, you will find something. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and you can hold your place, please, right there in the book of um, Nehemiah, because we're going to go back in a moment. But turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. When you got it, say amen. And I'm going to just read. Let's just read from verse 1. Let's just get excited about this word here. Hallelujah for us. And he says this. And he says, in you he made alive. Is anybody alive in here today? Hallelujah. Who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. By the way, right there, by nature, children of wrath, we were born into sin. That's what that scripture is communicating to to us. And verse 4 goes on to say, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast in verse 10 is where we want to focus for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them we are God's workmanship say workmanship that means that God is at work inside of you and inside of me. He deposited of, him, of himself in us, and now he is working some things out. He is developing his purposes and his plans in us. And so we realize when we move over to Ephesians chapter 4, and look at verse 20 with me, please. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 20, it says this. It says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have, you have heard him and 
have been taught by him as the truth is in him and that put off and, and that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God or in the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness and you can just write this down as a note the book of Colossians chapter 3 verses 9 through 11 these scriptures communicate to us that we as we are born again have been created again into the image and likeness of God our father and as his children you and I have been called to do great works as well as maintain those works by the very grace of God God created us gave us new life recreated us I'm sorry gave us new life and has called us to do something not just walk around and feel good about ourselves hello somebody not just walk around and look cute you know no no no, no. That, that that's not what God saved us for God saved us because he wants to do some great and wonderful things through you and I, but he doesn't just want to work through you one time. Hello, somebody. He wants to continually work through you, and he wants to work through you in greater levels, greater dimensions. He wants to take you higher and higher in him. There's a man by the name of Duncan, Kendall and, uh, Dun Duncan Campbell, and I'm not sure if he has passed away or if he is still with us, but he was a great minister. I believe he's passed away, but he's, he was a great minister, and he was a man that God raised up in his days. He was the leader of the Hebrides revivals, and he was sitting down one day in his study in his office. Now, mind you, he had become this great preacher they were he, he was he was the keynote speaker all over the place I mean everywhere that you know that that, that they were going to have something within his particular denomination Duncan Campbell was getting a phone call you know if it would have been today he'd have been getting an email invitation to say hey we want you to come and we want you to minister and so his daughter who you know grew up with him you know, grew up in his house hearing him preach and hearing him minister. His daughter one day comes and he's sitting in his study preparing to go and preach at one of these great big events. And his daughter comes over to him and sits on, on his lap, you know, just as sincere and as honest as a child can be. And she says to her daddy, she says, Daddy, I have a question for you. And he says, sure, baby, go ahead and ask me the question. She says, why doesn't God use you like that anymore? He said he was, you know, dumbfounded. He was like, so, you know, he tried to use his theological mindset. And, I'm, well, baby, you know, things change. And, you know, God, you know, and all of this craziness that he explained to her. The reason why she asked him this question, church, is because she had been hearing him preach about how God was using him. But she was looking at how God was not doing the same things through him anymore. He was talking about a past movement of God in his life. And what she did by the, by the grace of God is she brought to life the reality to his, to, to his son, God's son. Son, I want to use you greater. I want to use you just, just like you preach about and talk about all of these things. I want to continue to use you like that. And this man of God, you know, he went ahead and he prayed. After, after his daughter left, he repented for lying to her because that's all he did. He just lied to her trying to justify why God wasn't using him. And he repented, and then he came before God, and he said, God, I don't care where you send me. If you would just use me again. And he, was, he, he tells a story. He was sitting. He was getting ready to be a preacher in, in one of these events, and God told him, I want you to go to this place. And he's like, God, I got the preacher. He's like, no, I, you asked me, right, in prayer. If I would send, wherever I would send you, whenever, that you would go, and, and, and I want to use you. I want to do something. And he got up, and he went, and, and the glory of God manifests in history of the Hebrides revival is because this man heard the voice of God, and he realized that God didn't want to just use him one day. He wanted to use him all the days of his life. Amen? 
He wanted to use him for, for the glory and honor of his name, not just to talk about what God did through him. Building maintenance, church, and the reason why this is so important is because building maintenance is vital to preservation in the natural realm. When you build something, you've got to preserve it. You've got to clean it. You've got to make sure you take care of it in order to preserve it and keep it in a good state. You know, you get a new car and you have a choice. You can keep it in mint condition and you can keep it the way that it needs to be or you can do like my car. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. Glory to God. But, you know, it's not in such mint condition. It's in condition. Hallelujah. It's drivable and, you know, we can get to where we need to get to, but it's not in mint condition. It's not going to ever be, you know, a collectible item that someone is running me down because they want to buy it from me. That's just not going to happen. But the reality is that when you get this, you know, vehicle or whatever it is, you have a responsibility and that is to preserve it. And the way you do that is through maintenance. But how do we apply this spiritually, church? Well, spiritually for the body of Christ, it is the key to our relevance and necessity within our society. Hello. God is building something and he wants to do something. He doesn't look. God is not looking for just motivational speakers in his church. Hello. And I'm not just talking about preachers. I'm talking about the church. You see, you are the church. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are the church. You are the voice of God in this world. Hello. You are the voice of God. You shouldn't just be, I, I, hear, hear me, hear me, hear me. You should not only be talking to folks about, you know, trying to make them feel good. Because you know what? Sometimes people got to feel bad before they're going to be right. Y'all didn't hear what I said. Sometimes people have got to feel bad about what they are doing, about where they are, about how they are living before they are going to be able to be right with God and feel good like God wants them to feel. And it's not just the preacher's responsibility. So when I say that, I'm not attacking somebody. I'm letting you know that, look, God is not just looking for some motivational people just to make you just feel so. Wait a second. Did you repent before you start feeling good? Because you shouldn't be feeling good living in sin. Because sin is what made you feel bad in the first place. Y'all don't want to hear that. I know. I know. And the world don't want to hear that. But sin is what made you feel bad. It's what got you depressed. And, and I'm not saying you were in. It is just sin, church. Sin is the cause of every negative thing within this earth. And until we confront our sin, until we deal with our sin by the power of the cross, we are never going to experience the joy of the Lord that is supposed to be our strength. So you can go and spread all the cheer and glee, but, but, but church, please, please be real and be that voice. But you know when you become that voice, because here, here's the beauty of this. You know how you're able to communicate that hard truth and still walk in that love? It's by you being in the place where you need to be. Where's that place? In that secret place, church. In that place where the love of God is overwhelming your life. In that place where the love of God is saturating you. And so what I'm saying is that if we are going to be vital, if we are going to be needed within our society, more than just motivational speaking, more than just the people who are just there, who are making some kind of noise, but the people who are needed within their society. If we are going to be those people, we have got to maintain this. Now, 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 listen. Now, this, this, this is a tough statement here. But negligence of God. God's structure will be the cause of a condemned Christianity. You ever walk by a building that's all, you know, marked condemned, right? No, you cannot go in there and live because that building is not up to standard, right? Well, church, if we neglect the structure of God, if we neglect what God is building in this earth, we will be the cause. We will be the reason for condemned Christianity. In other words, it's not working. Hello. 
It's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's not able to be that hospital place that we talk about where people are able to come and deal with the very issues of their life. We, we can't be that because of what? Because we are neglecting to maintain that which God is passionately devoted to. God is passionate about building and bringing forth his kingdom and his purpose. So the first thing I would like for you to repeat after me in our building maintenance is say, building maintenance depends on precision positioning. Look with me at verse 2 in chapter 7 of the book of Nehemiah. It says here, well, we'll look at verse 1. It says, then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God, feared God more than any. Now, we are dealing with a spiritual work that has natural aspects. Therefore, when we're talking about building and we're talking about building materials we are those building materials and hear me the quality of our character is the determining factor for our usefulness in the kingdom building we are called to be part of the quality church of our character we must be a people that have a specific type of character in a few weeks I'm going to begin dealing with a series called Christian living because it is important for me that we as a church understand what it really means to be a Christian and not just that but what it should look like how it should be manifested within the days and within the world that we live there are certain things church that should be taking place within our homes there are certain things that should be taking place in our individual lives we should be reflecting Christ in all areas not just some areas hello listen I put it to you like this we should be putting on our church clothes not only on Sunday did you hear me we should put on our church clothes not just Sunday we should wake up in our church or so what do you mean Bishop you got to dress no I'm not talking about that that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about your church clothes your dress the way that you live the attitude that you have the perspectives that you contain or that you possess and so those are the things that I'm talking about having the right mindset having the right heart but we're going to talk about that in a few weeks but the reality is that God is looking for a people of character you'll notice that when Nehemiah was finished doing his part the project remember if we go back to the beginning of this book we we, we 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 remember that when nehemiah went before the king and the king sent him over there before he did that the king said how long are you going to be gone so he gave the king his word and he said i'm going to come back so what nehemiah understood is that he had a certain time frame and he was going to be a man of his word he wasn't going to go ahead and become so overwhelmed with you know the beauty now of, the, of these walls that are built and the responsibility because if you read the scriptures you'll know that it, that the houses of the people weren't even fully built up so there was still work that needed to be done within the city but Nehemiah had his project and he wanted to make sure that he was obedient because remember you remember a little while earlier in the story like we talked about last week they were lying about him you remember that well if Nehemiah didn't go back it would have looked like it was truth hello and so Nehemiah's look, I got to go, but I'm going to leave the right people in place. I'm going to leave the right people in position. I was watching a show the other day and 
You know, I don't, I don't watch a whole lot of HGTV. Hello, somebody. You know, just, just once in a while, you know, my wife can, you know, trick me into it. Praise the Lord. But, you know, the other day I happened to be sitting down and, I, and, and you know, I turned the television on because my wife does watch that. And HGTV comes on and there's this thing called Income Properties that was on there. And so the guy that was talking, you know, he was speaking and he was, he was, he was um, presenting a, a layout to a particular building, um, a, an apartment, and he was going to do some renovations and all of this stuff. And so anyway, he presented the plans. Well, you know, they went to commercial and when they come back, this is what caught my eye, is that when they went to, you know, because they want to keep you, they want to keep you sitting there so you'll watch the rest of the show. So they showed me in the commercial that when he tore the wall down, right, he tore the wall down, and when he looked inside the wall, there was an issue. They were like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. It's a good thing that we're here. So I was like, well, let's see why they need to be there, right? Okay. So when I'm looking, you know, I'm watching the show, he's, they're, they're tearing this wall down that was built by another builder. It wasn't the original wall that was there. It was built by someone else who was making a renovation to the apartment. When they made this renovation to the apartment, there's something called a load-bearing wall. There's something, there's a wall in your house. There, there are certain walls in your house that they cannot just be removed. If they're going to be moved or anything like that, you have to do something to support that particular area of the roof. And in this particular case, the second floor needed to be supported by this particular wall. And so anyway, these load-bearing walls have to be made a certain way because they need to reach all the way to the foundation. And they need to go all the way up. And that way there's solid support because if it doesn't, then it's not going to have the support you know, hurricanes, people jumping, getting crazy, you know, all kind of stuff that can occur in houses, right? And so here's, here's what happens. When they opened up the wall where that supporting wall was, the beam, there, there, there was this big, heavy beam that was there. Now, mind you, the beam was heavy enough by itself. We're not even talking about the furniture and the things that were upstairs, but the beam was there that was supposed to be, that was right, but you know what was holding up that beam? A little two-by-four that was about this big. It was about a two-by-four by six, that was like nailed into the other beam there. And that's what was supporting the whole wall. Listen, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's a good thing. They, they already saw, they were looking at it, you know, and obviously they probably get a little dramatic. But anyway, you know, the point of the matter is, you know, he, he could see that it was already sinking down, already causing issues with it. So, you know, it never, you never know when that whole thing was going to break up. Why is this important, church? It's important because God is looking for a certain quality of character in people. Notice the people that he leaves in charge. And, and, and I want to say this, God desires that each of his children become Come and remain viable parts in his kingdom building project. Everybody in here, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God wants you to be a viable, important part of his building project. But say this to them, but God, say, but God is neither careless nor desperate. So he ain't going to use just anybody. Hear me. He wants every one of us that is sitting in here today to be part of what he is doing in this earth. But he's not desperate, church. He is not desperate, and he is not negligent either. He's not just going to use anyone. He has a certain standard. And you know what? We see some standards here that are presented in the life of these people. And there are two things that are foundational. And it is, number one, that they were faithful. Hello? And number two, that they feared God. Two vital, vital, vital character qualities to being part of it. Why? Because what faithful means is that you are solid. Remember that, remember that beam that I just talked about? You know, I painted that wonderful picture for you. Remember that? That it was all messed up? Listen, that thing wasn't going to be faithful. It, it, was, it wasn't connected to the foundation. 
Hello? Well, what does that mean, Bishop? Wait a second. Is not Jesus Christ the foundation? So what that means is that you and I cannot even be considered faithful if we're not connected to the foundation. So before anything else, we got to be connected to Christ. Hello, church. Before anything, we have got to be connected to the foundation of what Christianity is about, and that is Jesus Christ. Not connected to the mission, not connected to the vision, not connected to the people. The first thing that we have got to be connected to is we have got to be connected to Christ because when, it, when we're called faithful, we are people that are going to be reliable. We are people who are going to be pillars. We are people who are going to be solid. We are people who can be trusted to do things. We are people who are going to get the job done. We are people who have a burden to do what? To make sure that things are executed in a way that brings the fullest and ultimate glory and honor to God. Hello, somebody. To be faithful, church, means that you are a person whose yes is yes and no is no. Amen. Yes is yes. No is no. You said you're going to call me? Please call me. Listen, listen. I've been rebuked about this. Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I confess? I like to confess, glory to God. Confession is good for the soul, praise the Lord. Listen. Busyness, church, hear me, because your bishop has got to be the first one. Busyness is not an excuse for not making a phone call that you said you're going to make. It's a good excuse one time, but every time? You know what the Bible says in the book of Psalm chapter 15? It's talking about who can dwell in the secret place, who can dwell in the presence of the Lord. One of the, one of, one of the characteristics is that this person swears to his own hurt. In other words, what that means is that if he said or she said they were going to do it, no matter how much it costs them, they're going to do it. Hear me, church. This is what it means to be faithful, to be relied upon, to make sure that that is your heart. That, that, that's part of the character that you've got to have in order to be a person who can be positioned. Remember, precision, precision positioning, church. Putting the right people in the right places. Getting into the place where you belong. Not just because you're gifted, but because your character will support you and support everybody else. Hello. The other thing was that they had to be God-fearing. So you got to be connected to Christ because can I tell you something? There are some people that I, and, and, and I'm going to say this with all due respect to everybody in here, but you know what? There are some people who I really believe get connected to Christ, but they lose the fear of God. What do you mean? People who really come to know God, who really, who, who really have an encounter with God, and then they just become comfortable with God like God is their boy. Like he's your dog. He ain't your dog. He is not, look, 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 there there, there is intimacy with the Father. When Jesus said, when they asked Jesus, Jesus teaches how to pray. Look what Jesus does. Jesus clearly says this. He says, when you pray, you pray, our Father. Let me just stop right there. When he says, our Father, he is automatically saying there is intimate relationship. That is what he is saying. But listen, I know this much. When I I was a young, you know, younger, because I'm not old. When I was younger, all right, hallelujah. When I, when, I, when I was younger, I remember my uncle, one time, you know, I thought I was Mr. Cool. And I'm like, yo, what's up, dog? And he's like, who? I said, who are you talking to? This is your uncle. This is not your dog. 
Because there is a certain level of respect that has to be there in, in that relationship. You don't just step across boundaries like you're crazy. Hello. Listen, if that is like that in the natural, how much more should that be in the supernatural? How much more should that be in our relationship? So there is intimacy, but you and I should value that intimacy because you know why you can call him father? Because your brother Jesus took a beating for you. Because your brother Jesus didn't just take a beating, but he suffered the most embarrassing, painful death that anyone could ever suffer. And that's the reason why you can call him father. So don't, don't disrespect that. See, but we got to have the fear of God, church. See, because when you lose the fear of God, let me tell you what you are in danger of. You're in danger of backsliding. Hear me. When you begin to not revere God, when you begin to just do stuff and be like, well, I can just ask for forgiveness. No, no, no. You need to check yourself because that is the wrong mindset, church. That is the wrong heart. And so the people who he left in, in, in position, it wasn't just because they were related. He said because they were more faithful than most. They weren't the perfect one. I like the way it says that. It says they were more faithful. They were more, they, they more God-fearing than most of the people. So God is not looking for the perfect one. He's looking for someone who stands out, though. Hello. Someone who stands out. So the, so, so the reason why this is important is because flawed character is responsible for fractured support within the structure of God. Flawed character is responsible for fractured support within the structure of God. What do you mean, Bishop? What I mean is that when our character is not able to stand up under pressure, up under trial, you know what we do? We abandon our positions, church. Listen, there's plenty of folks, people. Listen, listen, listen. I heard a story about, about a husband the other day. We're living in, in tough economic times. Living in times of desperation, times where things are tough for certain people. We're, we're living in some tough times. And this husband could not handle the pressure of his situation. You know what he did? Committed suicide. Horrible situation, church. I don't say that just in a flip manner or he committed. No, no, listen. He was undergoing some severe pressure. And sadly, there wasn't an anointed, powerful child of God who reached this person before he broke. That's sad, church. The church missed that opportunity because it, it's not God's will that someone commits suicide. Hello. But you want to know what? That structure that God was building within that home is now fractured because of what? Because of a flaw in character, church. Because this person's character was not strong enough to sustain through the time when difficulty came. And so it is important for us to grasp the reality that we want to be in position. We want, and when I say position, I don't mean title. Title, listen, position and title don't necessarily mean the same thing. Hello. When I'm talking about position, Sister Martha, Sister Grace, they have a position in the, in the church. They are the greeters in this church. They, they assist us in moving everybody into the sanctuary with a smile on their face. Hello, somebody. Very important that they're not up in there like, get in, get in the church, get in the church. And be like, you know, folks don't want to come up in here and be like, oh, mad. But, but, but you know what? They have a gift and they have, they, they, they have a blessing. And so glory to God. So they're not, they're not over here with a title, but they have a position that's vital to the church. Hello. They have a position that is vital. They're, they're positioning, so it's important for us to get into position. The second thing I need you to repeat after me is say, building maintenance requires a primary emphasis upon the word of God. 
Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8, please. And let's look at these scriptures here. After the walls are built, they call on this wonderful man of God. In verse 1, it says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all could hear, and, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. Now you want to talk about a commitment to the word of God. From like sunup to like lunchtime. This is how long he was reading the word of God. Y'all, look, look, folks, it, it, um, bishops start preaching, and it goes a little bit over the 35-minute threshold, and suddenly your mind just ran to Denny's, glory to God. Ran to Chili's, ran wherever. It ran it ran to that whatever you got to. It ran away, glory to God. Listen, these folks, they were like, oh, hold up. We, we need the word of God. They wanted to hear the scriptures. So it goes on to say that he read from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose and for that purpose. And beside him at, at, at the right hand stood, I'm not going to read all of these because I know y'all be listening to see if I'm pronouncing it right. So we're going to skip down to verse 5. And Ezra, see, see, I, I know y'all, glory to God. I'm glad you're attentive to the, to, to the word, glory to God. Verse 5 says, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Now look at what happens. For he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, everybody did what? Everybody stood up. So, so, so listen to me. Listen to me. It ain't religious to stand up in the reading of the word of God. Hello. And, and I'm going to just say this as a disclaimer. One day, one day, someone crazy might get up here with, with a pure heart, you know, and loving God and everything, and they may say, listen, we don't need to be religious and get, listen, listen, it ain't religious. You can yell it out at that moment. Say, Bishop said it ain't religious, so y'all stand up on him. Glory to God. Listen. But hear me, church, it's not, it's, it's, not, it's not a religious activity. It's a reverent activity. They were standing up to attention to hear from who? God Almighty. The law of God was going to be open. And so now they weren't going to sit down and slouch in their seat and fall asleep on the... That, that wasn't how they were going to do this thing. No, they were sitting up attentively. They wanted to hear what it was that God had to say. And then the scripture goes on to say, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, is that not an awesome picture? These people were so reverent to the reading of the word of God that they didn't just say just amen one. They said amen twice. Amen, amen. They were lifting up their hands. They bowed their head. They were so grateful for the word of God that was coming into their lives that they were going to be able to hear. That they didn't just take it as something common. It goes on, and we're not going to read verse 7 because they got all of those names there, but we'll read it verse 8. And it says, so they read distinctly from the book of the law and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading and so what happened church these people built the walls and then the next thing that they do is they do what they bring the people in and they say okay we we, we need to hear the law we need to hear the word of God because we want to do what we want to maintain what we have what we have accomplished hear me we're talking about building maintenance right 
So the first thing is we need to be in position or we need to put people in the right position as leaders, right? And then the next thing is we need to make sure that after we have established this beautiful thing that we put a great emphasis on the word of God. Why? What is the word of God? Well, first of all, the word of God is a decontaminator. Hello, somebody. The word of God comes in and shows you this is right, this is wrong. This is truth, that's a lie. This is real, this is false. The word of God comes and shows us what we need to have. What else is the word of God in relation to this building that God is building up. Well, the word of God is the source of light to the building. The word of God is what illuminates the hearts of men. The word of God is what illuminates the people that are coming in. The word of God is what brings this life unto them. What else is the word of God in relation to this? Well, it is the heating and cooling system. Hello, somebody. See, because some of us, we need to be heated up. Hallelujah. Some of us need the fire of God to burn in us. And you want to know where that's going to come from? The very word of God. Not from emotion, not from hype, but it's going to come from the word of God. The fire of God. Jeremiah said that your word is like fire shut up in my bones. And so it is the word of God that is the heating source. The word of God is also necessary to become a cooling source. Hello. Because some of y'all get too heated on the emotional level and you need to cool down. Hello, somebody. We need to chill out sometimes, right? We need to look at things from the right perspective, which is where? From the scriptures. And so the word of God is vital for us to do that. And the word of God is also the very source of our renovation. Hello. Because as you grow as a Christian, guess what? Things need to be renovated. Things need to be removed. As you grow as a person, things need to be renovated. Things need to get into a different order. There needs to be some different things that occur. As the church grows, you know what has to happen? There's some things that have to happen. Change for the better has to occur. Hello. Apart from the word of God, church, we can do nothing of lasting kingdom value. Why is this? Because the word of God is never changing, yet ever altering. The word of God never changes, but it is always alterating our lives. The word of God is, well, let's look at the scriptures. Turn over to chapter 9. Look at verses 1 through 3. And let's see what happened. Because they didn't just stand there that whole, you know, that day hearing the word of God. And the scriptures go on that they began to weep. And, 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 the, and, and the leaders said, wait a second, this is a holy day. We should rejoice. That's where we see the joy of the Lord is our strength. But in chapter 9, let's look at what the scriptures teach. It says, now on the 24th day of the month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Now, let me just give you some perspective on this. Because what happened is they had their whole time of celebration. They had the whole time of the Feast of Tabernacles where there was no mourning. They had their seven, eight days and they were rejoicing and glorifying God. But they had heard the word. And remember, when they heard the word initially, they began to weep. They began to mourn. Why is that? Because when they were reading the law of God, the people were understanding, man, the reason why our city looked the way that it did was because we weren't adhering to the word of God. Listen, that's what should be happening to us when we're reading and we're looking at the word of God and we see that the reason why our family, the reason why our generations, the reason why our society is the way that it is, it's because a lack of reverence and adherence to what the scriptures teach. We need to get something needs to be moving inside of us, church, but it's not going to come from me. It's going to come from you and the spirit of God being together and you hear hearing what God's spirit is saying. Now hear me now. What happens is in verse 2 here, he says, then those of the Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners and they stood and did what? And confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one fourth of the day and for another fourth they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Now look at that. 
So from like 6 in the morning to like 9, right? They're hearing the word of God. And then from 9 until lunchtime, they're doing what? They're confessing their sin, worshiping their God. They're acknowledging, Lord, we have heard your word, and we are giving equal, equal time to the hearing of the word as we are to the application of the word. And so what we're doing is we're taking the time to confess before you. These are our sins. This is why we're guilty. This is what we've done wrong. We've heard your word, and God, we're not satisfied just to hear it and feel like, okay, we need, no, no, we are going to do something. And so they spend half their day. They spend one quarter reading, one quarter confessing and worshiping. So half of their day was done in what? It was just devoted to being committed to the word of God. Can I tell you one of the greatest challenges that we face as a church? One of the greatest challenges that we face as a church is that we have learned what the Bible says and yet we have stopped hearing what the Spirit of God is saying. What do you mean, Bishop? How is that possible? Oh, it's real possible. When you are a person who, or you, you, you know what the Bible says. So you no longer need to hear it anymore. You no longer need to be challenged by it anymore. Church, that is a problem. That is an issue because the scriptures teach us, and I can tell you why it's such an issue. Because in the book of Revelation, when God is speaking to the church, you want to know what? If you want to talk about people who knew the word, it was them. You want to know why I say that? Because these were folks that had the apostles, not, 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 not what we have today. They had the people that walked with Jesus as their pastors, as their leaders. Those were the ones who were pouring into their lives. You want to talk about knowing the word? These people knew the word. And you know what the scriptures say? Continue to say it throughout the book of Revelation when Jesus is speaking to the churches. He who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, let him hear. Why is that? Because the church grows deaf. The church grows deaf. Not here. Not here. Here. Oh, we hear it right here. Oh, we comprehend it right here. But did it get into your spirit? Did it grip your heart to the degree that you need to do something? Listen, if it doesn't, you need to repent and ask God to resensitize you to his word, church. Because if we're not hearing his word, we're not going to be able to maintain what God is doing. Why? Because it is God's active word or his voice that causes the necessary changes within us that will enable us to grow into all that he has created and expects us to be. Not just because you know it. Remember, remember the story that I shared in the beginning with Duncan Campbell and his little daughter. Why doesn't God use you like that anymore, daddy? Even the preachers, us preachers, can have that problem that we know what the word says, but we're not letting the word of God penetrate and transform our hearts. Help us, Holy Ghost. The third thing that we need to do here, and please repeat this after me, is building maintenance. Depends upon committed and consistent contributions. Hallelujah. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah chapter 10. Glory to God. Praise the name of the Lord. Look at what it says here, beginning in verse 28. It says, now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nethanim, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, 
their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding, they joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his ordinances. We would not give our daughters as wives to the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. If the peoples of the land brought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day, and we would forego the seventh year produce and exacting of every debt. And so now what I want you to understand is that what is happening here is after they had read the law of God, after they had already understood what God's requirement was, what God's standard was, they had understood what God expected of them, they understood what the yeas were in the word, they understood what the nays were in the word, they understood, okay, this is what I can do, this is what I should do, this is what I can't do, this is what I shouldn't do. Once they understood all of that stuff and it was clear to them, then they went on ahead and they brought out some kind of covenant and these people were going to sign this covenant and say, we are going to enter into this covenant. They called it a curse and an oath because if they disobeyed this covenant, they were going to bring a curse on their lives. But it wasn't that they were making up a new covenant. It was the covenant that was in the scriptures. It was that this is what we were supposed to be devoted to. And because we weren't, our walls were torn down, our cities were burned, everything was destroyed, and we were depopulated. But we are going to enter into this oath. We are going to enter into this commitment. And it goes down, and we won't continue to read there, but he goes and from there and they talk about temple taxes, they talk about tithing, they talk about offerings, they talk about all of the wood that had to come to the temple daily. People were actually taking responsibility for all of these different things. They were appointing them as saying, listen, we are going to have you to be the support that is going to be necessary because we've already built up these walls and now we want to maintain what God has begun here. And the only way that was going to happen is by your support. Hello, somebody. See, here's something that we've got to realize is that no scriptural building project has ever occurred and been maintained without the contributions for support to extend the spiritual contributions into the natural. Hello. When you look at the, 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 the tabernacle in in the book of Exodus, what do you find there? You find that the people had to bring in order to build it. That's the bottom line. But what was the purpose of that building? Was it to walk around and worship a building? No. It was to create a, a, a place of worship. It was to create a place where the people of God could come together and unify and seek God and do what? Remember the fear of God. They could recognize the presence of God. That is what it was about, church. That is what the, the, the whole building project over there was. When you move forward, later on, David, he gets his revelation in his spirit. He's like, man, you know what? I have this beautiful house, Lord. You've done all of this stuff for me. He says, I want to build you a house. And God says to David, David, I didn't tell you to do that. He said, you know what? You can't do it. You're a man of blood, you know, we're, we're, but your son is going to be the one to do it. And you know what he had? You know what David did? David put all kind of stuff, all kind of contributions where? Into the treasury to save up for what? For his son Solomon. So Solomon would be able to build. Anytime you see, when you look at this here, you remember the king in the beginning, Cyrus in the book of Ezra. He did what? He sent all kind of stuff in order to do what? In order to build up this city, in order to rebuild this temple, it required that. And so here's the thing. If it's been like that throughout scriptures, guess what? It's going to continue to be like that in the days in which we live. Hello. There needs to be consistent, not just once in a while, not just sometime contributions. And I don't want to just talk about, let, let, let me say this because I know people get offended. Glory to God. I'm not just talking about money, church, because that's not what we're just talking about. We're talking about your time. We're talking about your talent, and we are talking about your treasure. Hello, somebody. We're talking about all of the above, your consistent contribution. One time someone, they, they were going to miss church, and you know what? 
It, it, it's okay, you know, to miss church once in a while. Don't make it a habit, you know. But, it, but it's all right, you know, once in a while things are going to happen. You know, things are going to occur. People are going to get sick. You're going to go on vacation. There, there, there's going to be some things that are understandable. But don't just make it a habit to be missing church. But this particular person missed church, didn't call me or anything like that, didn't say anything that they weren't going to be there. And I'm not saying that you got to call me every time you're going to miss church. But you should let someone know, amen, somebody, that you're going to miss church. Let someone know you're sick so we can pray for you when we make our circle. Hallelujah, glory to God. Let someone know so that way we ain't calling you. Hey, where were you? And you got to tell us, oh, I was sick. Listen, let somebody know, glory to God. That, that's, that's a good thing. But anyway, this person didn't call or whatever the case was. And this person happened to be in leadership a long time ago. And, and you know, not, 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 they weren't a pastor or nothing like that. But, you know, they, they were in some leadership capacity. Hallelujah. And when this person communicated to me about, you know, their decision to not be in church or whatever the case was, you know, I had to say to them, I said, look, you know, I want you to know something. I said, you don't realize the contribution that you make to the environment. See, because we don't think about that. You, you, don't, you, you don't realize the contribution you make to the, when, when you are a worshiper, you make a contribution to the environment. That person next to you that's a little bit, you know, because remember, the word of God, right, is the heating and cooling source, amen. We don't need to be cooled off in worship, only from the AC, amen. But sometimes, someone needs a little bit of heat next to them, hello. And because you are a person who is of prayer, a person who is devoted to that word of God, right? Because you are a person who is a worshiper, what do you do? When you come into the atmosphere, you make a contribution. So hear this. If you are making a contribution when you are here, what do you think you are doing when you're absent? Well, when you were here, you were making a contribution. So what are you doing when you're not here? Are you making a deduction? Whether you realize it or not, yes, because we depend on you to be here. Amen, somebody? And above everything else, we're part of God's building project, church. And so we need to be those type of people that are able to come and be part of what God is building within this earth. See, I want you to re realize something. It costs time. In order for you or I to receive a revelation and impartation of the will of God, yet it will cost your life to bring it to pass. Hear me, church. It's going to take you some time in prayer to hear what God's will is for your life. It's going to take you some time in fasting for you to know exactly what it is that God wants you to do. It's going to take you that time. But once you get that revelation, it is going to take your life to bring it to pass. The question is, are you willing to give your life? Are you willing to give your life for the purpose and the plan of God? See, here's the problem, church, is that too many Christians have bought into the lie that there are no more sacrifices to be made since the cross. Well, Jesus made the ultimate and last sacrifice that needed to be made, so no more sacrifices need to be made. The devil is a liar. Hear me. There's no more sacrifice trying to gain salvation that needs to be made. But now it's a whole different thing because sacrifice after the cross went to another level because now we give from the place of forgiveness, not trying to earn forgiveness. You see, before, see, understand this with me. Before the cross, forgiveness had a price and sacrifice had a limit. Before the cross, 
this is what you needed to do in order to pay for your forgiveness. Hello, somebody, read the law. That's what it said. It said, you did this sin. This is, you give this, 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 and this. Bring it to the Levites. They're going to, it's done. Your sins are forgiven. It had a price. Sacrifice had a limit. What happens in the New Testament? What happens after the cross? After the cross, the ultimate price has been paid by Christ. And we, you and I, are to become limitless living sacrifices. See, before the cross, this is, what's, this, this is what forgiveness costs. After the cross, this is what forgiveness is worth. Did you hear that? See, before the cross, we're talking about this is what it costs over here. After the cross, our life, our giving of our time, our giving of our talent, our giving of our treasure, all speak to how much forgiveness is worth to you. That's what it says. The sacrifices you make. When you get up early in the morning to see God's face, hallelujah. I know it's tough. You know, we struggle sometimes, glory to God. Pastor Chad and I, we have this little thing going. We call one another, and sometimes the call is never made. Hallelujah. I'm just being real because, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to play super spiritual. Hello, somebody. But hear me, church. Hear me. When we get up in the morning to seek God's face, or, or, because, you know, some, some folks, they're not, you know, early birds, they're night owls. Okay, you're a night owl, glory to God. So when you stay up late at night, seeking the face of God, instead of being on the internet, instead of watching television, text messaging on Facebook or whatever you're doing, hello, somebody. When you do that, you know what you're saying? You're saying, God, this is what you are worth to me. This time of my day is devoted to you. When you take your talent and your ability, John Bevere, one of the, one, one, one of the, great, one of the greatest preachers that I've heard, he communicates, great, wonderful teacher of the word of God. And he talks about his life when he got, when he, when he got saved. When he got saved, he was in school to be an engineer. He was going to make some money. And you know what? When he got called to ministry, he put the engineering job on the side, not even on the side burner, he just threw it away and said, I'm called to be a preacher, I'm going to Bible college. Well, I don't even know if he said you're going to Bible college, but he said he's going to preach the word. Hello, somebody. But wait, 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 wait a second, God, God wants us to throw our careers away? No. God wants us to give our lives to him. Hear me. What does that cost? I don't know what it's going to cost you. I know what it's cost me. It may cost you something different, but here's the reality. It needs to cost you something. Did you hear me? Because if it's not costing you anything, then I got a question. Who are you serving? Are you serving the one who died for you and gave his life for you, or are you serving your own appetite? Are you serving your own desires? Are you serving your own wishes and wants, or are you serving the one who really gave everything so you could have life? I'm closing. Building Maintenance Church is the responsibility of every child of God. And I want to say this because I think that it's vitally important. John Bevere did not just wake up one day and just say, hey, I'm just going to not go to, go to school anymore, and I'm just going to go. That isn't what happened, church. 
He had a burning call from God in his heart. So before you just be flip about it and just, oh, well, I'm just going to throw. You don't throw stuff away when you have goals. What you do is you lay those goals at the feet of Jesus and you say, God, which one is yours? What is, what is your will for my life? Because that is what I want to pursue. So don't just throw stuff away. Well, Bishop said, no, 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 no. That's not what Bishop is saying. Because God may call you to be an engineer that's going to win all of those other engineers to Christ. Hello, somebody. But the fact of the matter is, is that you and I have got to get before God and hear, God, what is it that you want from me? Because that is what I want to do for the rest of my days on this earth. Amen? It's everybody's responsibility, church, to keep, to keep the building maintenance. The question is, are you committed to being that person who is going to be part of the building maintenance? Are you committed to being that person that is going to give your time, who's going to give your talent, who's going to give your treasure, and who is going to become a vital part to what God is doing in the earth? Stand to your feet with me, please, and bow your heads. I said in the beginning that in order to be a person who's going to be useful to the Lord, you've got to be connected to the foundation, which is Christ. And if you don't know Christ, all of this is valueless to you. So before we move any further, every eye closed, please, and every head bowed.